Last week, we concluded our time in the Epistle to the Hebrews, reading there in the 13th chapter, that the God of our peace, our Heavenly Father, sent His only begotten Son to be born of a virgin, that His Son, the Son that was given, the wonderful Counselor of His people, the mighty God, should be the Prince of our peace. Beloved, having obtained eternal redemption for us by the blood of his cross, and ever so blessedly the apostle sets forth throughout the epistle to the Hebrews, that our Lord Jesus Christ, our priest, our sacrifice, and the very altar upon which he sacrificed himself, the offering of the dying sacrifice of his sin-atoning blood, whereby we have the remission of all our sins, and the life of his body, whereby we have been made his righteousness, the perfect righteousness he established on the earth in perfect obedience to the holy law of God, whereby we have been reconciled unto our heavenly Father. Beloved, we have an altar, and that a precious one indeed, for it is Christ himself, For it was on this altar, the altar of his deity, that our Lord Jesus Christ offered himself to our Heavenly Father through the eternal Spirit, offering himself without spot to purge your conscience, beloved, from dead works to serve the living God. How do we serve God? How do we do the works of God? Indeed, how do we work the works of God? Very simply this, beloved by believing on the one God sent, the Lord Jesus Christ. Indeed, it is the work of God, for it is God which worketh in you, beloved, both to do, to, both the will and to do of his good pleasure, to do all things without murmurings and disputings, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom ye shine as the lights in the world. Of a truth, beloved, he has by himself, upon the altar of his deity, by the the sacrifice of himself, purged our sins and has sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Amen. I say all that by way of review. This evening, the Lord willing, we shall embark upon a study of the book of Numbers, a book which the apostle makes mention of in his epistle to the Hebrews. In Hebrews chapter 3, the apostle reminds us that many in Israel, because of their murmuring unbelief, could not enter in to the promised land because of unbelief. Beloved, though we, like them, have murmured, God is merciful, that though we were by nature the children of wrath, even as those whose carcasses fell in the wilderness, God, who is rich in mercy, For his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved, beloved. This is the gospel that is set forth in the book of Numbers. A book that records our failure and God's faithfulness to his people. Though we have murmured in unbelief, our God is rich in mercy. Our gracious God, 
who is rich in mercy, has set this record in the book of Numbers to show us the, fa- the show us the failures of Israel, to be, as it were, as an example to us, the church, to the intent we should not lust after evil things as they also have also lusted, that we may be saved. Now, Paul, Paul speaks regarding this in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, if you'll look over there with me, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And I'll pick up reading there in verse uh, 6. Now, the Lord willing, in the coming weeks, we'll go through numbers, uh, a portion of it at a a time. But for this evening, we're just going to do an overview. If you look there, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, uh, picking up in verse 6, Paul writes, speaking of the Israelites we're going to learn about in Numbers, and the events that happened there. Now, these things were our examples to the intent we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Neither be ye idolaters as were some of them, as it, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in one day three and twenty thousand. Neither let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted, and were destroyed of serpents. Neither murmur ye, as some of them also murmured, and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now all of these things happened unto them for ensamples, and they are written for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the world are come. Wherefore let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. There hath no temptation taken you, but such is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. Wherefore, my dearly beloved, flee from idolatry. I speak as to wise men, judge ye what I say. The cup of blessing which we bless is not the communion is it not the communion of the blood of Christ the bread which we break is it not the communion of the body of Christ for we being many are one bread and one body for we are all partakers of that one bread behold Israel after the flesh are not they which eat of the sacrifices partakers of the altar what say i then that the idol is anything or that which is offered in sacrifice to idols is anything But I say that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to devils and not to God. And I would not that ye should have fellowship with devils. Ye cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. Ye cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and of the table of devils. Do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? I trust the Lord will bless the reading of that portion to the hearts of his people gathered here this evening. Now, Paul sets forth that the recorded account of the people of God in Numbers are recorded that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted, that we may be saved. Indeed, that we may endure and escape temptation. Now, the book of Numbers records Israel's time in the wilderness and the events associated with their pilgrimage, indeed their wanderings in the desert. Number tells us the story of Israel wandering in the wilderness as they made their way to the promised land of Canaan. 
Its narrative, its account, spans some 40 years and begins at Mount Sinai after the Levitical law was delivered and follows the children of Israel through their wilderness wanderings. Now, when they sent 12 representatives ahead to spy on the promised land, they doubted God's promises when they saw the land's mighty inhabitants. And so because they didn't believe God, he prevented them from entering the promised land for another 40 years. Numbers concludes with the Israelites on the plains of Moab, just across the river Jordan from the promised land. This is where Moses gives his final charge to the people, which is recorded for us in the book of Deuteronomy. A verse that is central to the book of Numbers is recorded in chapter 14, Numbers 14 and verse 11. You turn there with me, I'll show that to you. Now, Numbers 14, verse 11. We read these words. And the Lord said unto Moses, How long will this people provoke me? And how long will it be ere they believe me for all the signs which I have showed among them? We see in the book of Numbers how God dwells with his people and how his people rebel against him again and again. Even Moses disobeys the Lord. Beloved, though we fail, we are shown everything the Lord does prospers. You strip naked every man, make it plain who he is before God, and all of us are failures. There's only one successful man, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. And I love what the psalmist says about him. (laughs) Everything he does prospers. Beloved, though we fail, we are shown everything the Lord does prospers. He shows us again and again his faithfulness, that his promises are sure and steadfast. We see this in the book of Numbers. Indeed, our God is a God who keeps the word of his promises. All his people all his people will cross the river Jordan and enter into the promised land. Beloved, God keeps his promises, the promises he made to Abraham. Indeed, the Lord God does according to he has spoken, and he keeps his promises to his people. Now, Numbers begins with Moses and Aaron taking a census of the 12 tribes tribes of the nation of Israel. And this is where Numbers gets its name. It's the fourth book of Moses. Now, in addition to the numbering of the people of Israel, Numbers describes how the camp of Israel was divinely ordered and the the way they were to march from one place to another as they traveled to Canaan during those 40 years. That is until the deaths of the adults, 20 years of age and older, when they had left Egypt. And as we just read the, the account of them, and I'll just read a few highlights of what we heard our brother read for us, In Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 3, the apostle concludes there. I'll just pick up reading in verse 9. When your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works forty years, wherefore I was grieved with that generation, and said, They do always err in their heart, 
and they have not known my ways. So I swear in my wrath they shall not enter into my rest. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God. But exhort one, one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. While it is said today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. Someone has suggested that Israel's wanderings in the wilderness was the longest funeral procession in history. Now, this 40 years in the desert was the result of Israel's unbelief, specifically that they refused to believe the promise, the promises indeed of God. Uh, if you'll turn with me to Numbers chapter 13, verse 30, we hear Caleb saying, let us go up at once and possess it. For we are, we are, for we are well able to overcome it. But because they chose to follow the unbelieving spies who said, and that's in verse 31, we be not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we. God judged the nation of Israel in the wilderness because of their unbelief. Rather than have their eyes fixed upon God's faithfulness to his promises, they looked instead to their own feeble powers. In fact, the only adults who came out of Egypt that entered the land of Canaan were Joshua and Caleb. Joshua and Caleb were the only spies who, rather than look to their own feeble powers, looked to their faithful God and his great power. May the Lord grant that we may say with Joshua, Caleb, and indeed Jeremiah, great is his faithfulness. And turn with me to Lamentations. Lamentations chapter 3, and I'll begin reading there in verse 21. Lamentations chapter 3, verse 21. This I recall to my mind, therefore have I hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Now, once the old generation died, God commanded that the new generation led by Joshua to the promised land, be numbered. This is the reason for the second numbering at the end of this book. On both occasions, their number was more than 600,000. Counted were men who were 20 years of age or older, men who were ready to battle. 
Now, in numbers, we see what causes all our problems, beloved. All the problems we have in our life is caused by one thing, unbelief. It is the root of all of our sin. While it is true that sin is the transgression of the law, the root cause of all our sin is one sin, unbelief. It is what we are prone to do since the fall, to put our trust in ourselves rather than in God. The book of Numbers teaches us that we must believe God, indeed that we must put our trust in God alone, and that we follow and trust his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, in everything. Not trust in our own human reasoning or our own strength, but in everything by his Spirit. God grants us to trust in the Lord with all our heart, and not lean on our own understanding, but in all our ways acknowledging him, and he directs our paths. I love that wisdom recorded for us in Proverbs. You can turn with me to Proverbs chapter 3. You know, very often we can get anxious about left, right, forward, backward. What do we do? What ought we to do? I love the wisdom contained here in Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. We read these words. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he <laughs> shall direct thy paths. <laughs> not you, beloved. He shall direct thy paths. How we dishonor God with our unbelief. Now, while all we all often imagine that what we want to do and how to do it is right, and though the believer confesses that the Lord knows best, we often do not like the way he does things. Irrespective of how hard the providence of his will may be on our flesh, we must trust Indeed, we must learn that God knows best and ultimately submit to that. Indeed, he will bring us through it all, making known to us that all things, all things, beloved, work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Indeed, he always does good to the objects of his love in Christ. He knows what he does when he acts, he knows what he says when he speaks. Everything that he says, does, and requires of us is always for our good, indeed for our salvation and his glory. I'm so glad, beloved, that the gospel makes us to know that everything to do with our salvation is not of ourselves. That the gift that our merciful God gives us in, by, and through Christ, the grace, the faith, indeed our very salvation, is not of ourselves, but of God. The unspeakable gift of God is the Lord Jesus Christ. And in him, beloved, we see that he is both the author and finisher of our salvation, indeed the captain of our salvation. 
the author and finisher of our faith. I'm so thankful that nothing has been left to chance. Rather, that everything to do with my salvation is ordered and sure. From the covenant that decrees that I be saved to the Christ of that covenant who loved me and gave himself for me. Indeed, he gave himself to accomplish it, beloved. Oh, what sureness, what comfort it is for the believer to hear with the ears of faith, the angel of the Lord declaring, call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Beloved, he washed us from our sins with his own blood. My friend, the Lord Jesus Christ is the way, the only way of everlasting life. And oh, my poor friend, if you only have a way, be sure of it. The end of a way is the way of death. Of a truth, wisdom declares, there is a way which seemeth right to a man. Notice the wording there. There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. My friend, you must have the way. Our Lord declares, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. The book of Numbers is a picture of the experience of the believer in the visible church of Christ during their time stayed upon the earth. We see a people that had come out of Egypt and crossed the Red Sea, believing God. They see Pharaoh and his army drowned in the Red Sea. They travel to the land of Canaan, believing the promise of God to give them the promised land as the inheritance of his people. Though they had not reached the mark, nor won the prize, though they had faith to follow God from bondage and darkness, but they had not reached the fulfillment of the freedom and rest in Christ. That's how we are, beloved. We have believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, trusting in him for the forgiveness of all our sins, trusting our sins have been drowned, indeed put away by the flood of his precious blood. We have seen Satan cast out. We are on our way to the heavenly glory, but we have trouble trusting our Savior to provide protect and guide us in our daily lives through our daily struggles and battles with our sin and unbelief. God's people cry out, and often with tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Help me, Lord. I do not want to be among them who draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. And though we being evil, by God's unmerited favor and grace in Christ, we find ourselves heeding the teaching of our Lord that teaches, If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask him? Blessed be his name, our God remains faithful. His faithfulness, mercy, grace, provision, and power are never altered by our circumstances, our weakness, our poverty, or our inability. He deals with us on the basis of his covenant and the redemption of our soul's finished salvation by the sacrifice of his beloved son. 
Turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 2. I'll uh, pick up reading there. In verse 13. The Holy Spirit says to us by his servant this evening, to you, beloved, if we believe not, yet he abideth faithful, he cannot deny himself. Verse 19. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal. The Lord knoweth them that are his, and let every one that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Beloved, the Lord pitieth them that fear him, for he knoweth our frame. He remembereth that we are but dust. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 43. I'll begin reading there from I'll pick up reading verse 1 but now thus saith the Lord that created thee O Jacob and he that formed thee O Israel fear not for I have redeemed thee I have called thee by thy name Thou art mine. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned. Neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. For I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. I gave Egypt for thy ransom, Ethiopia and Seba for thee. Since thou was precious in my sight, thou hast been honorable, and I have loved thee. Therefore will I give men for thee and people for thy life. Fear not, for I am with thee. I will bring thy seed from the east and gather thee from the west. I will say to the north, give up, and to the south, keep not back. Bring my sons from far and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Even everyone that is called by my name, for I have created him for my glory. I have formed him, yea, I have made him. We see God's faithfulness in spite of our unbelief and failures in the last part of Numbers. That's through chapters 21 to chapter 35. We see Israel overcoming their enemies by the almighty hand of God. There were many enemies on all sides, but all of it worked a greater blessing for Israel. Numbers shows us that even though we are disobedient, rebellious, and filled with the sin of unbelief, even though we live disorderly, empty, and in darkness year after year in this wilderness during our pilgrimage, our great God will never leave us nor forsake us. We heard that promise last week in the last chapter of Hebrews, chapter 13 a promise to God's elect in Christ. Beloved, believing sinner, God will have you to know, I will never leave thee 
nor forsake thee. Even in the midst of our weaknesses and our frailties, he is our strength. Even when we fall, he protects us, lifts us up, and supports us in the hands of his omnipotent mercy and immutable grace. Now, there are many pictures of our Lord and Savior in Numbers. This evening, I will only mention three. But the Lord willing, as we take a closer look at this book of Israel's wanderings in the desert, in the wilderness, I pray the Lord will enable us to see more of Christ in this blessed book. Now, in chapter 17, in the first part, we see the rod of Aaron. how the rod of Aaron was a picture of life coming out of death, whereby God identified Aaron as his servant. Now, just as Aaron was declared to be the servant and priest of God, the Lord Jesus Christ was publicly acknowledged acknowledged and declared to be the Son of God in power by his resurrection from the dead. We read, if you'll turn there with me, in the first part of Romans, Romans chapter 1. Paul writes, indeed, the servant of the Holy Spirit, God's word declares in Romans chapter 1, beginning there, verse 1, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God, which he had promised afore by his apostle, by, by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh, verse 4, and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. In the beginning portion of Numbers chapter 20, we read of the water that flowed from the rock. This too was a picture of our salvation through Christ. Paul makes mention of it in his first epistle to the Corinthians, chapter 10, how that Israel drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. And so just as the rock brought forth water when Moses struck it, so too the Son of God gives the water of life to chosen sinners, being struck, indeed slain, by the righteous rod of God's justice, once and for all. By the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, to the full satisfaction of the holy law of God. In chapter 21, we understand that the bronze serpent was but a picture of how our Lord humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. The apostle John sets forth our Lord declaring the reality of what was portrayed by the bronze serpent. You turn there with me to John's gospel, chapter 3. And I'll pick up reading there in verse 14. Our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, declares here in verse 14, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have 
everlasting life. Turn with me to Numbers chapter 21. I'll pick up reading there in verse 5. Numbers chapter 21, verse 5. And the people spake against God and against Moses. Wherefore have ye brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread Neither is there any water, and our soul loatheth this light bread. And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and much people of Israel died. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against thee. Pray unto the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. And Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent. And set it upon a pole, and it shall come to pass that every one that is bitten, when he looketh upon it, shall live. And Moses made a serpent of brass and put it upon a pole, and it came to pass that if a man, if, that if a serpent had bitten any man, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. Beloved, because the people murmured against the Lord, in judgment the Lord God sent fiery serpents among the people and their poison killed many. When Moses prayed for the people, the Lord commanded him to make a bronze serpent and lift it upon a staff, promising that everyone that is bitten when he looketh upon it shall live. And if a serpent had bitten any man when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. Ministers, indeed all of God's people, are witnesses of the gospel. And like the pole that Moses used to lift up the bronze serpent, we open our mouths and testify, preach, indeed declare the gospel of Christ, the truth as it is in the Lord Jesus Christ, that he is the author and finisher of saving faith, indeed the captain of our salvation. Now, the bronze serpent typified Christ in many ways. As the remedy for poison was not produced by Moses, but rather the Lord. It wasn't Moses' idea. The Lord told him to do it. So, too, our salvation from sin did not and does not find its origin in man, but rather in the Lord. As the remedy consisted only of Moses making a serpent in the form of a venomous snake, that bit the people, so the Lord Jesus Christ was made in the form of a sinful man. We read in Philippians chapter 2, verse 8, Being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. As the bronze serpent had no venom, so too Christ had no sin. We read in the second epistle to the Corinthians, For he hath made him, our heavenly Father has made the Lord Jesus Christ to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. As a bronze serpent was lifted up on a pole, 
Christ was lifted up upon the cross. As we read just a moment ago, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And further, just as everything necessary for the people to be healed and live was to look at the bronze serpent, so too the only thing necessary to be cured of sin and everlastingly live is to look at Christ by faith. As the serpent on the pole was the only remedy for the people of Israel, so too there is only one way to eternal salvation. Christ Jesus the Lord. Look and live, beloved. Look to the Lord Jesus Christ. As all who looked upon the serpent were immediately healed, so too all who looked to Christ by faith are made immediately holy, complete in him. Beloved, there is only one remedy for our sin, only one salvation and eternal life. Israel was saved from the venomous serpents by looking at the bronze serpent that Moses raised before them. And only we can be saved by looking to Christ, our crucified Savior, as our Heavenly Father raises him in our hearts. In John chapter 12, verse 32, we read, And if, and I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. The Lord Jesus Christ declares, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man come to the Father but by me. Now turn with me to Isaiah chapter 45, verse 20. Assemble yourselves and come. Draw near together, ye that are escaped of the nations. They have no knowledge that set up the wood of their graven image and pray unto a God that cannot save. Tell ye and bring them near. Yea, let them take counsel together who hath declared this from ancient time, who hath told it from that time. Have not I the Lord? And there is no God else beside me, a just God and a Savior. There is none beside me. Look unto me and be ye saved all the ends of the earth, for I am God, and there is none else. Amen. Our brother Thomas, with all of God's people, behold the Lord Jesus Christ by faith, and say, My Lord and my God.